Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I'm Dave Pryor, and today Shane Hasty's here, which is super awesome for me because I get to interview somebody who does podcasts all the time, and I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> Shane, thank you for it's your morning. Thank you for taking time out of your morning. Dave, it is great to catch up with you. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm psyched to have this conversation because um, this has been a long time. I've been wanting to talk to you about this. So I, I was going to start out. I usually start out by introducing people and saying what they do, but you do so many different things. I don't even know where to begin. So would you mind telling these fine people all the things that you do? Sure. Yeah, I can. I can do that. My my day job is I'm the director of community development for IC Agile. So I look after the um, the broad communities that make up the uh, the the IC Agile ecosystem from. Um, all of the hundreds of thousands of people who've been through certification, the trainer communities, the certified experts, uh, and the the member organizations. So I get I get to spend time with lots of really interesting people, looking at uh, interesting stuff happening out there in in the IC Agile role. Okay. Then um, what I call my hobby is I'm the lead editor for Culture and Methods on InfoQ.com. And that helps me keep abreast of, of what's going on in the, the, the technology industry in general. Um, obviously, InfoQ has quite a strong uh, software technical bias, but we also look a lot at the um, leading at, at the trends in technology in general. And um, I look after that, that, that people space. So okay. what is happening uh, there? And then I, I volunteer. I've been involved with the Agile Alliance on a number of initiatives over the years. I was privileged to be on the board for 2011 to 2016. Uh, was um, the chair of the Agile Alliance New Zealand until uh, last year. And um, co-chair with Craig Smith and Alex Slowly at the moment for, with the Agile Alliance uh, <clears throat> Agile Coaching Ethics Initiative. Yes, and that's what we're going to talk about today, which I'm I'm psyched to have this conversation. Before we get into it, would you mind? Well, I just want to see. So I, I get kind of worked up when I talk about volunteering, and I always talk about all the amazing things it's done for me. Would you how, – how do you explain to somebody the value that they give back when they volunteer for stuff like the Agile Alliance or any professional organization? Well, it's the it's making a difference for for people. Um, you know, if I look at the if I if I take when I came onto the Agile Alliance board, yeah, I was coming out of New Zealand. I live in New Zealand still, um, and I had two things that I was passionate about that I th I felt um, I wanted to to shift the needle on. And getting onto the board of the Agile Alliance allowed me to do that. The, the two things, at, the, at that stage, I was heavily involved with the International Institute for Business Analysis. And there was a, a divide between the, the realm of business analysis and agility in general, but particularly Agile software. There was the, that, that was the era of the, we don't need no stinking business analysts, we're Agile. 
And I felt that there was a gap there. There was a, there, there was a, a major problem. And by being on the board, I was able to bring communities together. Uh, we produced the uh, both versions of the business, uh, the agile extension to the business analysis body of knowledge. And um, I also ended up working on version three of the BABOF itself, the core business analysis body of knowledge. And again, it was to bring the, in that space, the influence of agility into that body of knowledge. So bridging those communities was something I, I cared about. Yeah. And by being on the board, I was able to influence. Okay. The other thing that I cared deeply about that I, that I was, I felt needed something to be done was at that stage, the Agile Alliance was very North American centric. Yeah. Um, and a number of us who came on the board at the same time, in particular, Rebecca Parsons had a similar internationalist view. So we were able to to influence the board, and what we saw was and have seen is the is the alliance becoming a much more global organization. Yeah. So those that's the sort of the dent that you can make yeah. by volunteering in in these sorts of organizations. And for me, it was a, a phenomenal learning opportunity. You know, I was on the board at the time when people like Rebecca, Rebecca Parsons, Esther Derby, Diana Larson, um, Jim Newkirk, various others. These are people whose books I had been reading. Yeah. Whose, um, you know, I'd met them at conferences, but now I, I got to spend deep time with them and to see Diana facilitate, to see Rebecca facilitate. You know, these were amazing learning experiences as well as being, you know, just great fun. Yeah. So I think I got a huge amount out of, out of that time. And I like to think that I contributed to, to some of these shifts. I think you definitely did. (laughs) Yeah. If you're moving, if you're thinking about volunteering in that way, yeah, take it on, but bring something that you're passionate about and that you do want to, to make that that dent in the universe. Yeah, I think I, that I your story about the the BA side of things is exactly why I got involved with the Scrum Alliance because I got booed in Mike Cohn's CSM class when I said it was a, a PMP, and I was like, "This is ridiculous! Like, it shouldn't be this bad." Um, yeah. And I feel really lucky that I got to help help change that. And I think I always tell people like, if you want job security, you volunteer. Because it's the best way. Like if I don't, if I don't have a job, I just call my friends and they hire me. Like it's yeah. it's the best thing yeah. you can do for yourself. Build phenomenal networks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I always like to try to do whatever I can to promote people volunteering. Um, so I saw a posting in January. I think it was in January when you when you put out that update. But I saw a posting about the Agile Alliance and professional ethics. And I, and I was unaware of it up until that time, which I feel sort of ashamed about, but um, I, that's something that you were, you were kind of co-driving that effort. Uh, and it surprised me because I know at the conferences, we have like these codes of conduct we're supposed to follow. And I know if you get like a PMI certification, you have to sign this agreement that everybody forgets about, about how you're going to behave professionally. Um, but with Agile, there's so many people in consulting and there's so many ways that we can turn into snake oil salespeople. Um, 
Is it, I'm just wondering, is that like, is that where all this came from? Yeah. And in particular, it was in the coming out of the, the agile coaching focus. Okay. So, um, and the, it, it's, well, the impetus was uh, conversations that Craig, Sif Craig Smith and myself had had, and also talking with, uh, with people like, like Lisa Adkins, um, Michael Spade, and others, and looking at the influence of professional coaching and the behaviors of professional coaching, and then looking at agile coaching. So in the professional coaching community, there is a very, very strong um, code of ethical conduct. And it is, uh, in terms of the ICF competencies, abiding by that code of ethical conduct is the first and most important of the ICF con uh, competencies, the International Coach Federation. So in that professional coaching space, this ethical framework exists. We then look at, at agile coaching, and it's a little bit of Wild West. Um, Lisa did a, a wonderful job, and the, and the other the other folks at um, Agile Coaching Institute of putting together what's become known as the X-Wing framework that talks about the competencies of agile coaching, which include facilitation, professional coaching, teaching, mentoring, um, and then the technical mastery, business mastery, transformation mastery, one of those, and all with a solid foundation in the agile principles, values, and, and philosophy okay. um, of agility. So that exists, and the competencies of agile coaching have been pretty well defined by organizations like IC Agile, by the Scrum Alliance, by various others. It's, it's there. What were what we felt was missing was a pointer to what is good ethical behavior look like. And bluntly, we'd seen a lot of things that we were looking at and saying, hey, that's that's wrong, but I've got nothing I can point to and say why. We okay. Well, I mean, I'm gonna throw out some scenarios, the things mm -hmm. I've seen. Like I've worked for consulting companies where I've been told you go in there and you find a way to make yourself billable there forever. Like find yep. things you can bill for or find people and tell them they need this stuff. You know, I mean, there's like, there's this, this push, even if it's not outwardly expressed, there's an expectation that if you're, a, if you work for a consulting company and you're a good earner, you're extending your gig, you're finding ways to find other people to help. And sometimes those people don't need your help or the organization isn't ready for the help. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. that's a kind of, I mean that, but that's pretty obvious though. Don't you think if you're the, I guess if you're the one doing it, it's obvious. Yeah. And, and there's the Dan Mezik um, started raising, talking about this back in, these are not new ideas. This was 2006, 2008. Um, the imposition of Agile onto an organization where maybe that, whatever the brand that is being imposed is not appropriate at the time. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we've seen this almost every um, Agile transformation first round starts with somebody coming in with 
a, a particular days. framework, a model, yeah. 30 days, bang, <laughs> stamp, stamp, stamp. We're going to put everyone through exactly the same training. We're going to yep. um, transform your world. Transform your world and we'll change the veneer, but yeah. we won't change the organization mindset. Yeah. Um, the was it Martin Fowler the the agile industrial complex but so do you th I I feel like when I first got started coaching and doing transformation coaching I really thought I mean I was working with people that knew more about it than me and they said we're going to go in there and then you know 60 days or whatever they're going to be totally agile and I didn't walk into it thinking like, yeah, they're the mark. We're totally going to get one over on them. I really thought we were going to be able to do that, but that was just naivete, I think. Yeah, and we went into it, and I, I've done the same. We went into it with good intent, yeah, but with too narrow a view. Okay. And if we if we go right down to its core, agility is a about freedom of choice and we were imposing things on people and organizations uh, dan has a, a really great approach which is in through open space agility which is the invitation rather than the imposition mm -hmm. and the the concept of co-creation so we've learned a lot about what doesn't work and we've seen those sort of transformations, top-down, imposition-based transformations. Uh, you know, pick your survey, but at least 30% of them fail catastrophically. Yeah. Um, some do achieve some benefit. Some work, uh, work out incredibly well for the organization. And almost every time when we look at why it worked out incredibly well is we moved away from that strict imposition to, okay, let's work with the people. Let's understand. Yeah. Let's, let's co-create what is going to be right for this group versus that group and not trying to have that, that, that one-size-fits-all mentality. So if you're talking about this stuff from an ethical perspective and you're trying to create a level of professionalism where people are going to go in and and not bully people or push people into things they're not ready for or not try to convince them that stuff's going to happen that probably isn't going to happen. Um, if If you're doing that knowingly, that's obviously unethical. But if you're doing it like, you know, you talked about you, I did it, you try to do it, everybody tried to do it back in the beginning. We just didn't know any better. That's, yep. that's just, I mean, that's not unethical. That's just being yeah. kind of sophomoric about stuff. Yeah. Right. So it's, so there's, there is, a, I guess, a line somewhere in here where you kind of cross over and you do it knowingly. Like we've all been on those gigs where like, yeah, I'll teach this stuff to you. I mean, I have this in my scrum class. I'll have people in class. I'm like, I can teach you this, but I know some of these people aren't going to be able to do it. Yeah. At least not now. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the types of things that triggered the conversations that Craig and I had. And we'd both been looking at the ICF in particular, the professional coaching right. um, body. And that uh, ethical framework of the ICF 
is is strong and it talks to as a professional coach what uh, it's about not imposing your will on others and the, and it's about holding the needs of the client above your own it's about holding the needs of society above the needs of the client huh. and there's, there's a whole lot in there about you know doing good rather than avoiding bad okay and so that that was for us quite inspirational one of the first things we said is do we need a code of conduct that is unique to agile coaching can't we just borrow what's already yeah. there and tell every agile coach go and go, go and become a member of the ICF and <laughs> Yeah, so if that had been the case, we would have fairly quickly been, oh, no, we're done. <laughs> wow. Put out a blog post saying every uh, every Agile coach should become oh, a, a member of the ICF. Really nobody would do it. Don't do this. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then we continued the conversation. Uh, and this conversation spanned, it must have been a year and a half that we were talking with, with various people saying, you know, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And we found that there was a, in our community of contacts and people that we were, and maybe it was the echo chamber, but people that we were talking to was, yeah, this is a recognized issue. Um, maybe it's time we did something about it. So uh, given my experience on the Agile Alliance and Craig being currently on the board of the Alliance, it was a sort of natural for us to say, hey, where would we, if we wanted to do something concrete, what would the mechanism be? And we both know this process of that the, the Alliance has of member initiatives, mm -hmm. where if you've got an idea that you think sh is something that the world should be looking at, yeah. the Alliance, you, you put together a proposal and the Alliance board looks at it and they will choose to allow allow it to go ahead under their under their umbrella, or say no, this doesn't quite fit with us. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's a funding element involved as well. With with this initiative, there's been no funding yet because it's been, all been volunteer work. So we weren't going to the board and asking for money. But there, some of the initiatives do. Um, the if I think back to the the Babok work, or um, you would have seen the um, the PMI one, the Agile Practice Guide mm -hmm. that the PMI and the Alliance put together. Yeah. There were some workshops where people weren't paid for their time, but their travel was funded so that they could get together. Yeah, this was in an era when we did travel and get together. We <laughs> might do it again one day. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. I, I so look forward to sitting down and sharing sharing strong drink with you over in, yes. in a bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> be very um, nice. The, so we knew about this mechanism that was in place. Um, we put together a proposal, sent it to to the board. They said, "Yep, that sounds like a good idea." Can you get others on board with you? Um, we reached out, and we the the working group. Mm -hmm. of volunteers has, it be, has been around about 30 people who have been actively engaged to a greater or lesser extent. Okay. I think we're 32. But at any one point in time, it's probably only six to 10 who are actively doing something right now. But that, that, that 30 something people have all worked 
together. And we started by throwing out the question, you know, do we need a code of ethical conduct for agile coaching? And the response was, yeah, we think so. And then what should it look like? And we, our initial work was to go and see what can we be inspired by? So we went to the ICF Code of Ethical Conduct. We looked at the Institute of Facilitators. We looked at um, various professions. Uh, we looked at um, therapeutic, uh, at, at uh, psychotherapy approaches yeah. as well. One of the team is a qualified therapist, so he brought a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, another lady on the scene on the team, um, Sarah, is she teaches ethics in in primary school to seven year olds. Wow. She has taught us such a wonderful amount of how do you distill things down yeah. to simple, clear statements. So we looked at what was out there. And, and again, we had that conversation, should we just point people to one of these? Mm -hmm. But we felt that there is a difference. The, the professional coaching stance, for instance, the ICF approach, is, is absolutely content neutral. Okay. And we do feel that as an agile coach, you bring a deliberate conscious bias towards agility. Yes. And I completely that agree with that. Distinguishes the agile coach in the marketplace from the um, professional coach. And that's not something that anybody can shake off. Yeah. I mean, and, and we, you can maybe try to protect that. against it. Yeah, you could try to protect yeah. the client from your bias, but I think you'd have to own that you're biased out of the game. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so given that we then said okay we're going to we want to acknowledge that but what should we then come up with and we had a a series of there've been about 30 something um one to two hour calls where we started off what would the the broad topic areas be and then how would we break that down and in, uh, in December, we released a, a draft version of the code, and that's up there on the Agile Alliance website for anyone to yep. look at. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And that's got 18 points under nine broad categories. Um, and it's our starting point. We believe that it, it's still going to evolve. Um, there's, there's definitely some changes that we're, we're already starting to get feedback about and that and that's good but once we'd got to the point where we had something we could put out there yeah. we also said okay how do we make this more actionable and that's the the second piece of work which is underway at the moment and some of the stuff has been published and there's more still coming These are and this is what we've called the scenarios yes. the, the ethics scenarios where we take each of those, the points in the uh, Code of Ethical Conduct, and we say, what does this look like in action? And we've tried to give examples of something that's a clearly appropriate behavior, mm -hmm. something that's inappropriate behavior, and the ones that have been really fascinating, the it depends answers, are the things that okay. are, are gray areas. 
And it's in those gray areas where, honestly, most of most of our readers, that's where they're going to find the, the, the hard stuff that's out there. Because for most people, um, confidentiality and information security, I will protect information shared with me. Yeah, those are easy ones. Without agreement or legal reason. So, yeah. sure. The appropriate behavior there, they, I'm coaching a, a, a team and the CIO wants a report which includes the results per person. Yeah, sorry, that wasn't agreed in as part of our scope. Not happening. Yeah. I'm maintaining the team's confidentiality. On the other hand, in, inappropriate behavior there is, sure, here's my report. No, wrong. Uh, the gray, and the, I'll, I'll just read out the scenario. You've been okay. coaching an individual for some length of time. You've, sev you've had several coaching conversations with them. A corporate security professional approaches you about a corporate policy that was violated by your coachee. You recall a specific conversation where your coachee mentioned actions about this potential. You don't know the full policy. You have no mention in your contract about enforcing the corporate policy. Upon reflection, you share the information about the conflict with the security professional. Was that the right thing to do or not? And then we've got a that's okay. That's a narrative. Hard. Yeah, there's a narrative in there. These why is this gray? You've got the obligation, but there's also perhaps a legal implication here. Um, well, and you and you don't have a binding agreement with the with the person you're coaching. It's not like you're going to yeah. like a psychiatrist who's yeah. not supposed to like signs an agreement. They're not going to reveal it. I can see where that would inspire a lot of debate. And I mean, do you provide guidance on that to say like, this is right and this is wrong? Yeah. On, on this one, we say, you know, why is it gray? You've got an obligation, but there's legal obligation side there. And we say, here are some things that you could consider. Mm -hmm. The legalities of the issue, which may include seeking legal counsel. Um, maybe it's a matter of inform the coachee and get their permission to share the information information without share, pressuring them to do so. Yeah. Maybe the contract, the context of your own contracted role, you know, are you uh, employed by the organization or are you an external contractor? Right. And yeah, consider asking for peer advice. One of the um, ethical statements is the introspection and continuing professional development is I will engage in introspection and will engage with a peer group or mentor to explore et ethical and other challenges in my agile coaching work. Yeah. But so, so that's not, I mean, you can measure if someone's doing that, the thing that, mm -hmm. and I, cause I was looking at it over before we did the interview and that you could, I could say to you, look, I met with this group. Here's, you know, when this happened, they can validate that I did that, but the impact of that work in the, with the group yeah. or the outcome of that, that is the part that's still not measurable. Yeah. So all you can really do is kind of point people with intention, yeah. hopefully in the right direction. Yeah. And hope that they don't do harm. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm looking at one in particular I want to ask you about in mm -hmm. one of the scenarios. So I'm going to read this out loud and explain where my brain's going. Um, it, it says, 
In order to help a team gain better understanding of dynamics during a retrospective, you leverage tools and techniques from other fields that you've been exposed to but have no professional qualification to encourage team members to expose their unlying needs and fear, fears and needs. You offer vague assurances that you understand what you're, do, what you're doing. And it says this is inappropriate because you're leveraging tools and techniques that you are not professionally qualified to use and you could do more harm than good. Assurances without professional qualification is a misrepresentation. I don't know anybody who's led a retrospective that didn't walk into at least one of them trying to use a tool they barely understood to see if it was going to work. And if they've been absolutely transparent with the team about that. Okay. If I say I've never done sailboat before, I don't know if this is going to, yeah. could be a total train wreck. Yep. Are you willing to try it? Then it would be okay. Absolutely. Okay. Now, what I wouldn't be too comfortable about is um, I've read about hypnosis. I'm not a qualified hypnotherapist, <laughs> but can we try and do that? Okay. So, so there's <laughs> going to be degrees of invasiveness in terms of yeah. people's like mental health and professional health. Yeah. yeah. And every one of these scenarios, we've actually they they come from real world stuff. They yeah. they've been um, sanitized. Yeah. Every one of them has in behind a, a real situation. Okay. And, and the application, somebody coming in and using a therapy approach yeah. in a retrospective and causing serious harm is real. Yeah. Or even the feeling of, yeah, lack of safety. So how do you, how is it that you want people to use these? Like, I mean, I, how should I use this in my day-to-day? By being conscious and deliberate. Okay. So those, those 18 statements, if you at any point feel, mm, oh, this, am I right here? Yeah. <laughs> Pause and just say, is there a, an ethical statement that touches on what I'm working in here? Yeah. Um, we've touched on the extending the relationship with as a contractor. You know, um, we actually have. Uh, where is the the statement? I'm just reading. I will ensure that the relationship main, remains valuable, and I won't extend it unnecessarily. I will be honest about any perception of declining value. Now. If I'm honest about it and the client still wants to go ahead, you know, I've been working with this team for six months. Um, they don't need much of me anymore, but, but they would like me to be there and the, the funding authority is, is okay with that. As long as I've been transparent about it, that's fine. So, if, okay, there's a pandemic. It's necessary that I feed my family. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to dig in. I just but have to say, be... like, you should hire me because I want to feed my family. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, okay. and, yeah, these are, these are hard. Yeah. It's, this, yeah. This, this, I always these... think about the, when I first read the PMI one, there was a thing in there about bribes that you're not, you know, mm-hmm. you're supposed to follow the rules of your own country. And I remember the first time I read it, I thought, well, that's kind of silly. If my job is to get the project done and if I have to bribe somebody in a foreign country to do that, my job is to get the project done. Mm-hmm. But that was then somebody pointed out to me, yeah, but that's illegal. You can't do that. And I was like, oh, all right. 
So, so yeah. maybe it's just like kind of getting people to think about this stuff, be more conscious yeah. about it, be more aware of it. Yeah. And just hopefully that'll pause drive and, better pause behavior. And think. Okay. You know, because yeah, a lot of them like the information security, confidentiality, it, it should be obvious. But it's not. The other one, the, the, the next one, acting within your ability. I'll be open and transparent about my skills and experience. I won't claim to have abilities or knowledge that I do not have. There that doesn't are, mean I can't try doing other things. But there are a lot of but people I'm, that oversell their abilities in our space. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the, I think that's, that's a really good one. I railing think against. That's why to me, like asking somebody in a job interview, like, what are you horrible at? If they that's a really important question because if they don't have a good answer for it, yeah. they're probably not going to be upfront about that. Yeah. You know, so hey, Shane. Will you coach us in DevOps? Um, the last time I wrote a code in Angle was 2011. I know a lot of the concepts of DevOps. I'm happy to to work with you in that regard. But maybe I'm not the best technical coach for this team. Do you want me or do you want me to try and find somebody to, to support you? And then if they come back and say, no, look, we trust you. Yeah. We want you with us. Then, okay. We're, we're doing this Off together and I'm, yeah. hey, I'm one chapter in the book ahead of you, but I do draw on all of the other experience that I bring. So yeah. that's okay. Okay. I think one of the things that's really great about this is it, for, my experience has been the people that are really good at what they do, that's not a problem. Like saying like, I don't have skill in this area is not a big deal for them. It's not a concern because they know they have it in other areas. It's the people that with, you know, trying to hide their imposter syndrome where it gets a little scary. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how, how do you, uh, this is the last question for this thing and then mm -hmm. I'll let you get on with your day. Um, what is the outcome that you want this to have in the agile community in the professional coaching space? We would like, well, there's, there's multiple time horizons here. Okay. Starting point, it would be great if every Agile coach just looked at this and said, hey, this is cool. I like this. I'm prepared to, to say I will abide by this. And when I engage with a client, I'll give them a copy of this and say, here, oh, this is good. what I work to. Okay. It also gives me the opportunity when I do feel that maybe that, that, that confidentiality information security one, for instance, yeah. when that's being pushed, the boundaries that's being pushed, I can say, hey, I, I shared with you this code of ethics. I'm not going to tell you about my conversation with this team. Okay. So, it's, so it, it provides gives, coverage as well as... Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's, the, that, that's the starting point. Um, okay. I would love to see in employer organizations and organizations that are engaging culture, coaches say, hey, are you prepared to abide by this? Yeah. Here, here, we've seen this thing. Have you seen this thing? Uh, can we make this part of our um, engagement? Yeah, that, then, I mean, it would be great to have that be part of the, the contract or at least all the coaches will have signed this. Yep. Okay. Um, going further, going forward, how how deep can it go? Um, the various certification bodies I know are talking about 
whether they include it in their training or at the very, very least point their people to it. Um, now, here I have to declare a conflict of interest. I work for IC Agile. But I am not part of the group in IC Agile who's having these conversations very deliberately. And within IC Agile, uh, there's, and within our team, there are a couple of people who are talking to the various certification bodies, IC Agile, Scrum Alliance, Scrum.org, various yeah. others, about, hey, can we incorporate a pointer to this at the very least? So that we're hoping to see. Um, moving beyond that in the future, could it become something that's a little bit more enforceable? Uh, don't know. I, the, if we look at the ICF, when you become a member of the ICF, you sign their code of conduct and you, you physically sign it mm-hmm. um, and you send them a scanned copy of it so that they've got it on file. And um, if you violate that, there is a, a, a complaints process. If somebody feels that you have violated it, there is a complaints process. There's a, um, an investigation process and a, and a body within the ICF who look at these complaints and just hear evidence, hear, um, yeah. talk to people. And, okay, the, most, the worst they can do is cancel your certification. Um, it's not like the medical profession. Well, it's, but I don't know it's though. moving towards it. If, if it gets to a point where you are required, like if, if down the road, if the Agile Alliance offers a, some sort of ethics credential, right. And that becomes a thing that is standardized, like to get the job at a coach, you know, at a coaching at a company, you've got to prove that you have that. Then if you pull their ticket, they, they could lose their livelihood, which, yeah. You know, I mean, that that would be that could be a really great thing in terms of keeping people on the up and up, Mm -hmm. which it shouldn't be hard. I mean, it it shouldn't be hard to be ethical. But I think, you know, maybe in times like a pandemic, it is going to test people because they have, Mm -hmm. you know, fears of losing their jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Wow. This is this is great. I appreciate you doing this work. And I'm going to. So can people sign it? Is that what you want them to do? Uh, it's not at the moment there's no uh, online sign capability but anyone can can download it the other thing that we ask for is is feedback about it tell us where it's where it doesn't work at the moment or what what, what's needed also tell us your scenarios tell us your stories now do they Um, have to be professional coaches like i mean i'm not a professional coach i have coached but i don't have an icf certification no no no, we're okay. looking for for people, particularly people from the agile community who have stepped into this coaching space. Okay. To to tell you know what is this? How does it land for you? What are we? What's what's missing? What's wrong? Yeah. Um, so there's an there's an email agilecoachingethics at agilealliance.org, where please give us your feedback. Cool. It's a draft at the moment. Yeah, we're looking to one update it to. Uh, yeah, it's still going to be. It's it's going to constantly be a draft. It's going to be an an agile evolving document, but it's going. We we want to get to the next release sometime fairly soon, and also we want to build out this this set of stories that are these scenarios because the more of those that people can look at and say, ah, here's yeah. something 
that resonates with me. Here is a situation I find myself in, and here's some advice. Um, we may, uh, and and this is just top of my head. I don't know whether we'll we'll ever get there, but um, I know the IC the ICF again. They have actually got. Uh, an ethics board who will answer your questions on here is something I'm struggling with. What advice can you give me? Could wow. we get to the point where there is a, a volunteer community in the agile community who are doing that? Would that would be amazing. Yeah. And I think at the very least, those scenarios definitely have to be brought to the next conference for late night debating and arguing in the uh, tavern. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Some of them, I think it would be really fun to just try to argue for different sides of it and see where yeah. you end up with it. Absolutely. Uh, I, looking at these things, I mean, it, it definitely raises questions and it sharpens your awareness. So I would encourage everybody to check this out too. Um, and thank you for working on it. I have one, one final question before I let you go, and it's totally unrelated to this. You are exposed to a lot of different stuff in the Agile space, a lot of emerging stuff. You know a ton of people. Um what do you what have you seen recently that that you're looking at and you're like, oh, that's the new thing that everybody should be watching? The thing I hope to see more of is humanistic workplaces. Okay. Whether we talk sociocracy, holacracy, any of those brands, teal, anything like that. We're, we're starting with... You're going to have to dumb this down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> For people that aren't familiar with theocracies. <laughs> workplaces where people are truly empowered. Okay. Um, where the genuine respect for the the value that individuals bring. So it's not people are our biggest assets. You know, slavery's been abolished. Assets have the uh, <laughs> assets can be sold. No. But the the creativity of the people that we work with yeah. is the thing that delivers value to our customers. How okay. do we enable that and create a, a workplace that is is joyous? Um, I'm constantly inspired by Richard he Richard Sheridan's work on Joy Incorporated yeah. and his new one, Chief Joy Officer. So, but so that Menlo has got some of uh, is Menlo is like a magical that. land of unicorns, though. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it doesn't need to be. That's the thing, and and we know again, it's like doing really good agile. We know what needs to be done, but it's a it's part of that culture shift. Yeah. And so, for, so everybody raised. I mean, the thing when you started talking about this, all I could think was, "Oh, you want trust? Like that's yeah. we that's weird." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want trust. I want safety and celebration um, of people's gifts, what they can bring, yeah. what they can do. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, so. We're definitely seeing some of that. The the other thing, um, and this I'm I'm drawing here from the um, InfoQ Culture and Methods Trends report that we published in March. Okay. Uh, the other thing that we see is the the very clear distinction between good remote work and bad remote work. 
So how do you characterize the difference? I'm we've, I'm really we've seen this. people thrown into remote work over the last year. Yeah. And the bad is the keystroke counters, the oh, okay. seven hours of Zoom meetings back to back. The, <laughs> the animal um, farm approach to distributed teams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we will work harder. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's causing it's causing burnout it's causing stress it's creating it's exacerbating what has been a really hard environment for people but then there are the good organizations the organizations who do have and and it comes back to some of that humanistic workplace stuff yeah. that have got trust in their people that are um, not that are recognizing when asynchronous communication works well and restricting the amount of time that people spend on that on the synchronous zoom calls because zoom, yeah. zoom fatigue is a real thing but we still want we we need to get to get enough of that synchronous collaboration time but we can also do good things with asynchronous work and asynchronous yeah. collaboration so um, you the tooling today supports that and the outcome focused. So the, the flexibility that if you are working at home and you've got children around you, well, okay, so I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to uh, read the kids, yeah. uh, help the kids with their reading homework or whatever, or the, with the, the class that they're doing and drawing right now. And later on, I'll do what I need to do for work and I might not do a seven-hour day, but I'm going to be fully productive in the time that I am engaged. Yeah. And some days I might do a little bit more, and it's going to balance out, And it's, uh, but it's on me. I haven't got a boss asking me for a timesheet <laughs> saying, oh, what did you do between 12.15 and 12.25? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I, ha I have that. And, and um, it is weird because I do find that I will be like looking over my own shoulder. Um, did, did I do enough today? And, and yeah. actually, so this, maybe this is an, an interesting anecdote for it. Um, I, I am not, nobody's clocking me, but I tend to work a lot and I work weird hours. I work till very late at night. Um, I took a week off from work last week and, um, I actually told my team members like, look, I'm going to try not to work. Cause I'm, I'm the person that works all through vacation just because I don't know how to stop. And, I emailed my team members and they would not respond to me for the entire week. They totally ignored mm -hmm. me. And it was, it was so <laughs> awesome. Like, I was yep. just like, wow, that taught I me mean, talk about like a, uh, an amazing mm -hmm. show of support in a really weird way. Yeah. Um, they helped me take a vacation. Yeah. Which was really cool. And I'm grateful to them for that. And that, and it's trust too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I hope it's the, more of that it's too. the trust and safety stuff. That's yeah. See, I really thought the safety thing was over, but I guess it's still going on. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a long way from being over. Yeah. Well, not that it's over, but you know, there's like trends and, and I thought yeah. that maybe we we're moving into something new, but I guess mm -hmm. we're still with that. Well, this is great. Um, so you've got some things coming up, maybe events you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Next, 
next Friday night, uh, Singapore time, or Friday afternoon, evening, Singapore time, 5 to 8 p.m., um, which is 9 p.m. for me in New Zealand, the Sustain Agility Conference, a virtual event to share and celebrate learnings. This is the 16th um, of April. The 16th, uh, 16th of April, um, Singapore time. So. Yes. Uh, okay. Late at night. Uh, for the US. Um, and there I will actually be giving a, a keynote. I'm going to be talking about just what we've been looking at now, the uh, ethics of agile coaching and engaging people on, here are some of the ideas that we've got. What do you think? Okay, cool. So people can find out. I'll put a link in there mm -hmm. and they can check yep. that out. Do you know if it's going to be recorded, if people can watch it afterwards? I believe it will be recorded. Okay. Uh, Cool. Well, if I can, I mean, if you get, if there's a link afterwards, I can always add it into the show notes. And what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Um, just Shane at icagile.com. Cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking time. It was really fun catching up with you too, because I haven't seen you since the last conference. So that was, it was yeah. nice to, to it's chat. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been... Hopefully I'll get to see you before too much longer. And I, I'll bring the scenarios and we can have some <laughs> heated debates. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Me too. All right. Well, thanks. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Dave. If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you need.